You know, they say that one man's trash is another man's treasure. It always amazes me uh, what we spend money on, uh, what one person looks at and say that's worthless, and somebody else looks at it and says that's priceless. So I looked up this week, I thought this list of things that people had purchased on eBay was interesting. We'll put it that way. Let's see what you think. Uh, Justin Timberlake's half-eaten piece of French toast sold for $1,025. This next one, I was going to put a picture on the screen. I really was, but it's a picture that you can't unsee, so I didn't. Um, a suit of armor for a guinea pig. A suit of honor, uh, armor for a guinea pig, $1,150. A cornflake shaped like Illinois. I'm pretty sure I have a whole box of those at my house. $1,350. A grilled cheese sandwich with the image of the Virgin Mary, or so they thought, uh, $28,000. Clippings, I like this one, clippings of Justin Bieber's hair, $40,000. Or how about this one? Lunch with Warren Buffett, $2.3 million. I'll just go ahead and say that I'll have lunch with anybody anytime for half that, okay? <laughs> just, in, just in case you're wondering. When I, when I hear those numbers, when I think of somebody spending $40,000 on clippings of Justin Bieber's hair, I not only think about that amount of money, but I think about what else $40,000 could buy, right? I, I think about the fact that when we purchase something, we're not only trading money for that item, but we're also trading whatever else we could have purchased with that money for that item. When you buy something, you're saying, I would rather have this than I would whatever else I could buy with that dollar, or in this case, with $40,000. I would rather have this thing. And so anytime you make a purchase, you're making an evaluation. You're saying, I would rather have this than that. You're making a trade. So I want us to think about something this morning. Is there anything so valuable that you would trade not just some of what you have, or even something so valuable that you would trade most of what you have, but something so valuable that you would literally trade everything you have for that? Is there anything that you know of or aware of or come across or experienced in your life that you would literally trade everything you have? Everything that you have laid claim to for that. In other words, is there anything about which you would say, if I could have nothing else, I must have that. If I can have nothing else in the world, I must have that. It has to be that. That's what we're going to talk about this morning, is that idea in relation to the kingdom of heaven. We've been looking at Matthew chapter 13, so if you've got your Bible, Matthew chapter 13 and verse 44 is where we're going to start. Three verses is all we're going to read this morning. Well, we're going to read a few more than that, but our text is three verses and two parables in those three verses. And I would say that these are among the most powerful perspective-shaping parables that we're going to look at in this series. Our, our series concludes today, and we've been talking about these stories that Jesus told to his disciples and to the crowds, but explained to his disciples to tell them, this is what God's rule 
rule and reign on the earth looks like. The Messiah, the Son of Man, is coming, is here to set up His rule and His reign, Heaven's dominion over people of the earth. And this is what it looks like. Not what you thought it was going to look like, but something so much better. And here's what Jesus says in verse 44 of Matthew 13. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. First of all, I guess some of us may read this parable and we think, well, that dirty, rotten scoundrel, right? I mean, he, he goes and he finds there's a treasure in a field and then he goes and he, he buys that field, the, the owner not knowing that it's there. We think maybe something he's doing is shady there. But really, if you lived at Jesus' time, you really wouldn't think that. You really would understand that everything he's doing is above board, as it were. You see, people in the ancient day, they didn't go down to the first bank of Jerusalem to deposit their treasures. They, they would probably, a lot of times, hide them in the ground. And, and sometimes that, that person died or was killed or, you know, something happened to them and they never came back for the treasure. It could be decades or even hundreds of years that treasure could go unfound in that area. And so if somebody found that treasure and went to the landowner and said, hey, I'd like to buy this land, and the landowner said, sure, I'd love to sell you the land, and he made a reasonable transaction, then obviously the landowner didn't know the treasure was there, which means it didn't belong to him. It was somebody else's treasure that had buried it there. Maybe even somebody that didn't own the land had buried it there long ago. So again, that's kind of a side point, but just so you know, he's not doing anything unscrupulous. What he's doing here is above board. But I want you to picture in your mind this story that Jesus is telling. So he doesn't say why the guy is in the field or if he's even looking for the treasure, but one way or the other, maybe he's working in the field and he finds this treasure. Maybe it's in a box or maybe it's just a bunch of stuff that has been buried in the dirt and he finds this treasure and immediately in his joy, he says, this is worth more than everything else I've accumulated in my life. You see, I mean, I'm sure as any man has done, has lived any amount of time, he's, he's gone through life and he's bought things, right? He, he went and he said, well, that's nice. I'd like to have that. I'm going to buy that. And he bought that and, and, and he saw something else and he said, I'd like to have that. And he bought that and he saw another thing and he bought that and he had accumulated many things over the years that were important and valuable to him. But when he saw this treasure, He knew immediately that this treasure was worth far more than all he had accumulated before that up to that point. And he said, I'd be crazy if I didn't sell everything I have so that I could buy this field and I could have the treasure. You see what Jesus is saying? He's saying this is the way the kingdom of God is. As we've read through these parables, the common theme here is, do you have ears to hear? Do you have eyes to see? Do you have a heart to understand? And isn't that what Jesus is saying? Is saying that the people that see me, see Jesus for who he is, and that hear his words for what he's saying, and have a heart to understand, that recognize the value of what Jesus is bringing, that Jesus is bringing heaven's kingdom. And they recognize that, that this is their reaction. Their reaction is what Jesus is offering us 
is worth more than everything else in the world. It's worth more than all I've accumulated. It's worth more than all that I am or all that I have or all that I've laid claim to. It's worth more than all of that put together. And I would gladly trade everything I have for what Jesus is offering. I would gladly trade everything I have to be his disciple. I would gladly trade everything I have to be a citizen of this king's kingdom. Isn't that what Jesus means in the Sermon on the Mount when he says to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness? Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33. Think about some of these other ways that it's translated in Matthew 6, 33. One translation says, seek the kingdom of God above all else. Another says, be concerned above everything else with the kingdom of God. And a third says, what you should want most is God's kingdom. You see what Jesus is saying? He's saying that the people that he's preaching to and that are responding to that message the people that he is preaching to that are saying, this is him. This is the Messiah that our people have been waiting for for hundreds of years. He's finally come to bless us and not just us, but the nations of mankind, all the Gentiles. And he's going to open up the doors of his kingdom. He's going to pardon our sins and we're going to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is it, and this is worth more than everything I have. If I could only have one thing, if I could only have one thing, it would be citizenship in his kingdom. That's what it looks like to recognize and understand the value of what Jesus is bringing, what Jesus is preaching, what Jesus is doing. To say the kingdom of God means more to me. God's rule and God's reign, God's dominion, God's word, God's law, obedience to him, forgiven by him, loved by him, protected by him. To be, as we talked about last week, one of those little birds that builds a nest in the branches of God's rule and reign, to be one of those birds means more to me than everything else. It means more to me than everything else put together. And if I could only have one thing, it would be to be in God's heavenly kingdom. And Jesus, in that Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33, in that context as he is talking in the Sermon on the Mount about what it looks like to be citizens of God's heavenly kingdom, he's saying, don't worry about stuff, isn't he? Don't worry about what you'll eat, what you wear. Don't worry about your clothes. Don't worry about all the stuff that the Gentiles run after. Your father knows how to take care of you. He knows how to take care of the birds of the air. He knows how to take care of the flowers of the field. Don't worry about that stuff. Here's what you need to do. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. What you should want most is God's kingdom. Be concerned above everything else with the kingdom of God. Seek the kingdom of God above all else. To be the people that God wants us to be. To be the citizens of his kingdom. To live as kingdom people. To live as people who are poor in spirit and meek 
who love their enemies, who when their enemies say, carry my armor and my pack for a mile, we say, I'd rather go two miles with you. To be the kind of people that when you're insulted and slapped on the right cheek, you turn and let them slap you on the left cheek. To be those kind of people, because being those kind of people mean that we get to be where Jesus is. We get to be where God is. We get to be a part of what God is doing now and with what God is doing for eternity. That should mean far more to us than anything else. Any other possession we have, any other relationship we have, any other desire that we have. Look at the next couple of verses. Verses 45 and 46, Matthew 13. So that's one parable. Then the next he says, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value went and sold all that he had and bought it. Again, a similar if not identical meaning to this parable. But, but I'd also tie in Matthew chapter 7, verse 8. Those who seek, find. Those who knock, the door will be open. That the people that are seeking for the kingdom of God, they will find it. Those Israelites who, those Jews who living in the days of Jesus longed for the Messiah and loved the coming of Jesus and wanted desperately to be part of His kingdom when He showed up and He preached and He healed and He calmed the storms and He fed the hungry, They said, that's him. This is what we've been waiting for. And not only did they recognize Jesus for who he was, they recognized that everything else they had was meaningless in comparison with being a part of his kingdom. And so immediately they said, I'm willing to surrender everything. I'm willing to give up everything to be a part of your kingdom. I'm willing to give up all that I have so that I can follow you so that I can be where you are now and forever. Now, I want us to realize that that's not only the value of the kingdom. It is the value of the kingdom, isn't it? And we need to recognize that and realize that, that the, the man who found the treasure in the field, he didn't say, oh, man, now I got to go and sell all my stuff. I don't want to sell all my stuff. I got a lot of nice stuff back there. I don't want to sell my stuff and buy this stinking old field. That's going to be a lot of work to sell all my stuff and buy this field. and have to dig up all that treasure. He didn't say that. Out of joy, he went and sold all that he had so that he could buy the field. He said, I'd be crazy not to sell everything I have because this, this is worth so much more than what I have. That's the value of the kingdom. When we really have ears to hear and eyes to see and a heart to understand, we look at the value of being with God, of being resurrected by Jesus on the last day, of being forgiven of all of the sins we've ever committed, to be covered by His blood, pardoned by Him, justified in His name. We look at those blessings of being in Jesus and we say, that, that's worth more than everything else and I'm willing to surrender my claim on everything else. Because that's also the cost of the kingdom. It's not only the value of the kingdom, surrendering all that we have, but it's also the cost of receiving the kingdom. And that's what it is to come under the authority of a king, isn't it? To say, before I tried to be my own king, 
Before I tried to be the own, my own ruler and reign over my own stuff. We like that, don't we? We're Americans, right? We're Westerners. We're, we're 21st century. We're independent. We're autonomous. We can do what we want to do. We have our rights and this is our stuff. That's not your stuff. That's my stuff and it's mine. And we like to have claim on things. But coming under the reign and the rule of a king, coming under the reign and the rule of heaven is to say, I surrender my claim on everything. Even the things that I keep possession of, I'm not the owner of, I'm just a steward of. And everything that I am, and everything that I have, I will use to glorify my master, my king, my lord. That's the cost of coming into the kingdom, is to recognize the value of the kingdom, and then the willingness to surrender all for Jesus. Look at what Jesus says a couple chapters earlier. Look over at Matthew chapter 10, starting in verse 37. Because I want us to recognize that it's not only the value, it's the cost of the kingdom. Verse 37, whoever loves father or mother more than me, listen to the words of Jesus, is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. I'm sure to the people Jesus is talking to, this is, this is incredibly real. And it's going to be incredibly real in the months and the years to follow, isn't it? Jesus is saying, listen, if you're going to be my follower, if you're going to come into my kingdom, if you're going to be one of the citizens of God's heavenly kingdom, then you need to recognize that you better love me more than your parents because there's a good chance that your parents are going to disown you if you follow me. You better love me more than your spouse because there's a good chance that your spouse is going to leave you if you follow me. You better love me more than your life because there's a good chance that the Jews may stone you or the Romans may crucify you. There's a good chance that you may die if you follow me. So if you want to follow me, I've got to be more valuable to you than everything else. You've got to recognize that you found a treasure here. You've got to recognize that you found a pearl of great price here. And you better be willing to surrender everything. You better be willing to take up your instrument of execution, your cross, and follow me. Because in a very real way, that may come to pass. Now, I don't know about you, but that's, that's kind of daunting, isn't it? To say, hey, here's a great good news. Here's a, here's a great opportunity. And you need to be willing to die to receive it. Right? Here's a kingdom that, that is good and great and everlasting. And you'll live forever. And it's valuable. And it's more valuable than everything you have. And you need to be willing to surrender everything in order to receive it. That's kind of daunting, right? Who wants to sign up first, right? Who wants to go first on that? Who wants to be in line first to give everything for the kingdom of God? The good news is, you don't have to. Jesus went first, right? Because there's a very real sense in which Jesus is the one who found something of great value. Jesus is the merchant who found a pearl of great price. And that pearl of great price is his people. 
And he was willing, in order to bring God's heavenly kingdom to us, he was willing to give everything, including his life. He was willing to surrender everything. He was willing to sacrifice everything. He was willing to suffer everything. He went first, and he gave it all to bring the kingdom. And we give it all to receive the kingdom. Isn't that what we're demonstrating in our baptism? Aren't we demonstrating in our baptism that we are done laying claim to our own life? That we're ready to be, as Paul says in Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20, I am crucified with Christ. I no longer live. This isn't my life. The life that I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. He went first and he gave everything. He saw in God's kingdom people a pearl of great price. And he gave everything so that he could buy it, redeem us to himself. And now in response to that, we say, I have found a pearl of great price. And I'm willing to sell all that I have so that I can have that kingdom. I'm willing to recognize that I found a treasure in being with God and being God's people for eternity. That I'm willing to say that if I can have nothing else, I want to be a citizen of God's heavenly kingdom. That's what I want us to walk away with this morning is thinking about that idea because isn't that the theme all the way through the New Testament? That that's what it means to see Jesus for who he is. That's what it means to hear Jesus in what he's saying. That's what it means to have a heart that understands. To be the kind of people that say, listen to the offer that he's making to you. He's offering you eternal life. What would you give to live forever? Right? What would you give to live forever? I mean, look at our, look at our world around us. Look at what people are giving to look young forever. How's that working out for him, right? <laughs> Look at what people are giving to extend their life. They would love to be able to extend their life indefinitely. And they would give anything if they could come up with some sort of a fountain of youth, some sort of a, a pill that they could take where they could live forever. They'd give everything they've ever owned if they could have that. And yet death keeps knocking on their door. But Jesus offers us the only way to live forever, a resurrection to eternal life, pardon of all of our sins. And he says, but in order to receive that kingdom, you've got to love me more than your family, more than your spouse, more than your money, more than your job, more than whatever. And it's easy when we're sitting here, right, on a Sunday morning, and the preacher says, hey, You love Jesus more than everything else? Oh, yes, preacher, we love Jesus more than everything else. If you could only have one thing in the whole world, would it be to be a citizen of God's heavenly kingdom? Oh, yes, amen. That's what I want more than anything else. But it's the decisions that we make day in and day out that prove whether or not that's true. It's how we spend ourselves tomorrow. How we live, who rules and reigns over our life tomorrow. Who rules and reigns over our hobbies? Who rules and reigns over our finances? Who rules and reigns over our purchases? 
Who rules and reigns over our sexuality? Who rules and reigns over our wants and our desires? It's the decisions that we make every day, the the little things to say whether or not we are trying to sit on the throne or whether or not we have surrendered all. And we say, God, I'm just a steward and my car and my house and my wallet and my sexuality and my relationships and everything I am and everything I have, I surrender to you because you are worth more than everything to me. You are of greater value. And if I could only have one thing, it would be to be a citizen of your heavenly kingdom now and forever. I think about the Apostle Paul, don't you? He was on the road to Damascus, and as far as he knew, he had everything figured out. I mean, life was going really well. He had a great blossoming career. I'm sure he had plenty of finances. Other people wanted to be him. He was the envy of every young Jewish man. Everybody looked up to Paul, Saul, and as he was traveling along that road, he found a treasure. He found a pearl of great price. And he recognized that everything he had in comparison was worthless. He would eventually write in Philippians chapter 3, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and I count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ, that I may be found in Him, that I may share in His sufferings, that I may become like Him in His death. I would give anything to share in Jesus' sufferings. Wow. That's somebody who eventually, he didn't initially have eyes to see or ears to hear or heart to understand. But on the road to Damascus, he finally figured out that Jesus... And the kingdom he brings is worth more than all things. Is that something that we've figured out? The first step in declaring I have that figured out. I may not be perfect. I may still struggle. I've got all kinds of problems. I'm still broken. I'm still hurting. I'm still tempted. But I know that Jesus and his kingdom are worth more than all that I have and all that I am. And I surrender myself to him. I want to offer myself as a living sacrifice to God. The first step is baptism, isn't it? Where we're buried with Jesus. And we say, I want to be raised up to be a new person. A person who doesn't live as their own king or queen, but who allows Jesus, who allows the kingdom of heaven to be his rule and his reign. And then as we walk, it's a daily decision, isn't it? To pick up our cross and to say, I love Jesus more than I love breathing. I love Jesus more than I love anything. And today, I will live as a submissive citizen of the kingdom of God. And I will be about his business with his people, making the difference in the world that he calls us to make. And I will see my job and my car and my house and my marriage and my relationship with my neighbor. I will see everything in light of the fact that I am a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. Maybe you need to start that journey. Maybe you need to get back on track. Maybe you need prayers or encouragement. We are in this together and we are all still struggling. We all still need reminders. We're not citizens of God's heavenly kingdom because of our goodness. We're citizens of God's heavenly kingdom because Jesus went first and sacrificed everything so that we could receive the kingdom of heaven. 
If we can help you or encourage you, you need to be baptized, you need prayers, there's a room in the back. Elders would love to meet with you after services or you can come forward. That's together we stand and sing.